we are talking to Alan Watt from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and we are continuing our conversations from uh, our first hour. And uh, we are going to change gears a bit and uh, spend some time now talking about the uh, moon program uh, and the moon landings, of course. I've been curious to get Alan's take on this for quite some time now. Uh, time now. There's quite a lot of research out there uh, talking about... Uh, uh, that the 1969 and uh, onwards moon landings actually was uh, fake or that it was shot in a studio or possibly that we uh, what we saw wasn't the real deal but uh, we actually went to the moon and uh, discovered something up there completely different or whatever there's a huge amount of information out there about this issue and it seems to be very difficult to to discern and, and dissect it or actually get the you know um, the, the truth as it were about this issue and uh, when we have Alan online here it would be wonderful to kind of get your take on it all because there, as I said there's a lot of info out there on it uh, is this anything that you have researched at all Alan? Yes, uh, apart from remembering it um, <laughs> I, I was really young, really small but I, I was fascinated by the whole build up to it Yeah. and uh, I think in Britain we had uh, Sir Patrick Moore that was the the astronomer Royale, the mm. title they gave him, and uh, he did most of the talking and the, and the hype on television to get us all excited about uh, coming up. So I studied into it. I went to the library and, and got everything out on the moon, and they were talking about the gravity being one-sixth off the Earth, for instance, mm -hmm. and that once they were on the moon, if they tried to jump, they'd, they'd jump 12, 15, maybe 20 feet high just with a little hop. <laughs> And all of this kind of stuff, and I, I was really looking forward to it. <laughs> and then when the thing happened, uh, I watched it, and these guys were just sort of hopping along a few inches off the ground. Sure. As though it was in sm slow motion. And uh, even the dust I noticed, which should have been kicked up in front of them, should have traveled maybe uh, 20 meters or so. Mm -hmm. And it didn't. It fell in front of them as, as it would on Earth. And to kick it in, when they stuck the flag in, the flag waved in a breeze. There you go, yeah. And there's no wind on the moon. Hmm. No atmosphere, you see. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I was so disappointed with this uh, that I brought it up in school the next day. Mm -hmm. And the teacher was so I, excited uh, and she asked me what I thought. And of course I, I said, well, I noticed <laughs> that uh, they didn't hop the way I thought they'd go, yeah. going up 20 meters or with a, a little leap sure. and, and I, I told about that the sand wasn't getting kicked far enough and I said there's no wind on the moon to blow a flag <laughs> and she just went into a, a, like a ro robotic click mode a click back and forth there because what I was saying was suddenly making sense to her and yet the indoctrination that everyone had had was, was competing with it mm. and, and uh, she said she'd see me after class and of course, we had a discussion after class, and uh, I, I got her thinking. I, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it made no sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I do know too in history is that the biggest scams that are pulled off worldwide happen to be accepted by the populations because the average person, individual in that population, could never believe that anyone would try to bring off such a big lie hmm. as, as the one they, they have. Yeah. <laughs> because you couldn't do you wouldn't do it. No, wouldn't. We, we understand little lies. We can, we can catch on to little lies. Yeah. But when it's a huge one, 
performed with drama as a as an actuality, mm. it's inconceivable to the public that anyone would dare do this. Hmm. Yeah, that's and right. That's why it works. <laughs> and so, um, a, a few years later on, a man in the U.S. called Rene, R-E-N-E, mm. uh, wrote a book called Nas the, uh, "How NASA Mooned America." Mm. And he comes up with a lot of details and facts in it, uh, with that one and the later landings. And he even went through all the, the, the officially released plans of the Moon Rover, the, the vehicle that they brought out, yeah. and showed how it could never have come out of the orifice that was made in the actual capsule. Yeah, yeah. Which was, yeah. So he had all these facts there. And what was also interesting with some of the still shots when you panned back, you would see little numbers on some of the rocks. Mm. <laughs> now, in a, in a Hollywood studio, every item you see in any scene is actually numbered. Mm. And they turn the number away from the camera, generally. Mm. Even for, for, for a, a, a vase for flowers or anything like that that's in a, a, a particular set, they have numbers on them. And, and so you, you saw numbers on some of the rocks. This is very, this is very, very sloppy. What, what's that all very about? Sloppy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, one would suspect that they would be very, you know, very meticulous in the way they actually go about doing this. But who knows? There might have been actually a very, on a very tight schedule, or a, or a, in a rush, or something, because uh, you know, to be able to get these uh, uh, broadcasts out, you know. In, in conjunction with the actual, you know, lift up itself, I mean, there has to be some kind of. Let, let's say that it was filmed in, in a studio. We, we should mention that first. Um, then there might be a, a tremendous, you know, difficulty in getting these events to actually sync up. I don't know. Any any thoughts on that? That's right. You see, if they brought in the whole thing with with NASA, uh, and people should study the history of NASA and what's behind NASA, what its real purpose was. It's not to, to, to get us all excited about uh, traveling in space. Mm. Uh, NASA is, is part of the military complex. Uh, always was. Yeah. And its real job is to go up there, put up satellites that will eventually monitor all of us. Mm. And the, the, the space shuttles are up there servicing them. All this high-tech weaponry mm. and communications devices which will monitor us with when we get a little brain chips. <laughs> and... Um, NASA is a Hebrew word uh, for the head of the Sanhedrin. Oh, really? NASA, yeah. N-S-A, uh, N-A-S-A. Yeah. Oh. Sometimes they'll spell it N-E-S-I, which is coincidental too, because Nasi is also another pronunciation of the same word. Yeah. Hmm. But uh, and again, too, when you look at uh, who were brought in to create the NASA, it was primarily the German scientists <laughs> who were brought in under Operation Paperclip yep. at World War II, they brought in all the top scientists to continue the program for missiles in the United States. So, so yeah. it's no coincidence. Even the words they use are no coincidence. Yeah, exactly. We have obviously, uh, you know, NSA, we could connect with this also, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, they also, the NSA is absolutely the same thing. That's right. NSA yeah. is the same thing. And um, they love these little clues they drop to the public. Um, <laughs> The, the particular place they blast off from now mm. used to be called uh, Cape uh, Canaveral. Mm. That was yeah. Cape Kennedy. Yeah. Well, Cana, Cana, you see, is a priest, Cain, Can, mm, yeah. priest. Mm. 
Yeah. And virile is, is the symbol of the, the virile obelisk. That's what it stands for. Ah, well, nothing is a, a, a coincidence. Well, that's very interesting because this is something that that I've been pondering on for, for very long, and that is why, why the heck do they use a rocket standing up in the position that it does from start, and and lift off and and basically you know the tremendous amount of of you know well basically you know poison going out in the in the, in that uh, rocket fuel and so forth but the thrust is incredible i mean there there must be some kind of technological i mean better way to solve this but as you say that this is the this is the there is a connection here with a with a obelisk actually standing up i guess yes it is you see the the obelisk in egyptian is especially the the red granite type mm. is called a ben ben yeah, yeah. And the Ben Ben, that's why you have Big Ben, which mm. is the big clock tower on the, the Parliament in Britain. Yeah. That's why it's called Big Ben. It's an obelisk. Indeed. <laughs> it symbolizes with the clock time, the time of the plan. And mm. uh, so they love these little giveaways there. Now, rock is is uh, the ancient source of all religions. Mm. Uh, I On this rock I build my church. It was used long before that. Sure. Um you have Rockefeller. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you have all these terms. They have the, the Masonic rock that, or their little temple, their little altar they go around in the lodge. Mm. And then you have Rocket, which is E.T. Me has two meanings for the public. <laughs> for the Christians, E.T. is extraterrestrial. Yeah, yeah. And for the Christian, well, for the Christians, it's end times. For the for the New Agers, it's extraterrestrial. Ah. You see. <laughs> Oh, that's very, yeah, that's beautiful. Rocket. I never thought that's about right. that. Yeah. <laughs> and so you have a rocket right next to an obelisk, and, and they're both standing up the same way. Oh, there you go. And and the Benban stone is the is the pri- primordial mound, basically, I guess, you know. Yeah, it, it's, it's the phallus it's the rising of, of, the, of the evolved, illuminated man. Yeah. Mm, mm. So this is a... I mean, Richard Hoagland, a lot of other people have have studied, you know, the actual shooting up of these rockets, and that that actually shows, you know, often, you know, uh, solstice dates and vernal equinoxes, a lot of, you know, connected to um, very precise timing when they actually shoot these things up and so forth. Uh, have you come across this too? Oh yes, they, they do this mainly for a show for themselves because they love to laugh at the public. Hmm. It's not because they need some kind of magic. It's, I mean, even that, that that type of rocket, uh, as you say, it's really obsolete. Yeah, it's indeed. It's old technology, but that's what the, the public are supposed to think is all they have. When we think that's all they have, uh, it, it makes the weapon that they really have so far ahead it will scare us to death when we see them. <laughs> there you go. Um, I know. I mean, I've got old documentation here from the testing bases in the U.S. when they were testing flying saucers. Mm-hmm. And it was in newspapers at the time, hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. and, and the desert sands. Yeah. And uh, the problem then, they were atomic powered. Uh, they made no noise, and the the problem then is they couldn't go too far before they crashed. And mm-hmm. uh, in one of the reports I have from a newspaper, uh, the reporter witnessed some of them crashing, and saw the teams going out to collect them and mm-hmm. bring them back for repair. So. They're way ahead now on all of this technology. The mm. Area 51 has very advanced craft. There's three levels of science on the go at all times mm. for the bulk of the populace, 
professor down. That's the lowest level of any science. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, but I, I just when I return, do you, do you remember uh, if, uh, just about or or where about you know the the time when when these uh, when the newspaper report was fifties, sixties, seventies? It was the sixties. Sixties. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because uh, again, there's a lot of as it were downed downed craft for some reason. Do, do you know why they actually uh, why they couldn't make it that far? Some reason. They had, they had different methods of using atomic energy, and one was to superheat uh, water, basically, mm -hmm. that was ejected at such incredible um, velocity mm -hmm. uh, through very tiny nozzles. That was one method, but then they were trying other liquids too. And they're also trying different things with, with photons to try to shoot photons out to propel themselves. So there's all different kinds on the go at the same time. Hmm, yeah. Um, you know, one thing that, that comes to mind is, is the studio, uh, potential studio of itself, if we were to return to talking about the, 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 moon, uh, the moon landings. Uh, there, there, uh, there was a CBS uh, network. Um, this was a CBS network shot fr from the moon, allegedly that we saw. And uh, I've, I've heard about a place called, uh, I think it's called Desilu Studios or, or Desilu Productions. That it actually is in uh, in LA, and among other things, Star Trek was was filmed there. And this is uh, potentially one of the places where they actually might have filmed the moon landings. Any ideas about that? Yes, uh, there's a f uh, in fact, I, I still have the old newspaper articles mm -hmm. because the testing, supposedly, for the astronauts was done in Sudbury, not far from me. Oh, really? Uh, because they had to, the mines there had destroyed so much of the, of the greenery mm -hmm. that all you were left with was rocks and, and ridges and, <laughs> and no shrubs or, or grass or anything. Mm -hmm. So they used that to test, supposedly, these astronauts on beforehand. But at the time of the moon landing on the BBC in Britain, they asked different people in this, that they were well known if they believed that man actually had gone to the moon. Mm. I thought that was odd in itself. <laughs> yeah. And and one of the men that came on was Chief Dan George, a Canadian Indian, mm -hmm. who was an actor. And uh, he said, and, no, and people laughed at him when he said it. He says, I was in a Hollywood studio doing a movie recently, mm -hmm. and I walked over to a construction, he said, and what I saw inside it was exactly what I saw on the television <laughs> off the surface of the moon. There you go, yeah. And, I mean, there is even, okay, that doesn't ver uh, verify it in any way, but there even is a scene, I think, in one of the Bond movies where they actually are shooting, you know, moon footage uh, in some studio out there somewhere, and, uh, I mean, Ian Fleming is an interesting guy and so forth. So, I mean... Who knows? A little tidbits here and there, uh, some kind of hint, you know, to to the initiate, some something like and that. And then you have Arthur C. Clarke's movie, 2001. Yeah. And 2001 was written in the early 60s. Yeah. He was a high Freemason, mm -hmm. uh, predicting the future in occultic terms, and uh, that the, the New World Order was uh, to kick off in 2001. That's why it was called 2001. Mm, yeah. And 9/11 happened in 2001. But in the movie they made about it, mm. um, back then, they showed the same kind of thing on the moon. Mm. And uh, it, it was fantastic um, computerization simulation they used mm. for its day. It was just as good as the NASA shots. <laughs> and now they've admitted, well, they admitted a few years after it, that um, some of the people 
who were in, I think, the big studios, ABC or NBC at the time, mm. um, had sets there. Because I, no- I noticed, too, when they, they separated the landing craft from the main craft on the moon, mm. they go down, it seemed to like the camera was following them from the back. Yeah. And, and I said, well, who's driving, who's, who's flying some second vehicle to follow them in? Yeah. These were all simulated, and yet it, it wasn't disclosed as simulated at the time. Hmm. Interesting. But it looked perfectly real to the, to the average person back then. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, if, if we were to be more, you know, oh, oh, let's say that they shoot, shoot, shoot up a rocket, let's say, um, you know, from, from Canaveral or whatever, uh, uh, any ideas, you know, if, if they actually don't, you know, travel outside the atmosphere, if that is even possible. I, I mean, there there is this talk, of course, about the Van Allen belt and that the radiation actually is so high up there that you actually can't go out beyond a certain point and so forth. But let's say that they shoot up a rocket like this, um Uh, do, do you have any ideas on how they're able to kind of mask it? Do they actually destroy it? Is it uh, empty? Do you, any ideas? They'd have to have some advanced knowledge, which is just uh, the knowledge that we would not be allowed access to, mm-hmm. of some force or energy that could literally shield them going through the Van Allen belt, because NASA still has, it's still in the books, official physics books, that you can't travel through it, it would kill you. Hmm. Even if you had the regular sort of lead or whatever type of shielding, yeah. it's just too strong. And I've never ever answered that question. Hmm. How they managed to do it? Yeah. They did it at all. Is is uh, is is the moon, isn't the moon within the Van Allen belt or is it outside? You know, it's it's outside. It is outside. Okay. Hmm. But it's it's on the way to it, and you, yes, you can go up to the space station. For mm. instance, and you're still fairly safe there. Sure. You still yeah. get more radiation. Yeah. But uh, once you get into the belt, technically nothing would live coming through it. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, that seems to be, and, and a lot of, of course, again, research on the spacesuits and stuff like this have been going on. You know, that very would never, you know, be able to handle the, all the all the radiation basically that that is up there. But uh, no idea. It's it's a a big, you know, a big question that keeps on coming up again and again, man. But let's uh, t- talk a little bit more about the the UFO enigma because again, you you yourself connected this very very nicely, um, you know, with with the Area 51 and all that, and that many of this actually is then human craft that is, uh, you know, actually flying around up there and that people see and report on and stuff like this. Uh, um, Is it possible that that there is anything more going on there that beyond you know only human technology? Do you think? I think it's just human what what we see. Mm. The especially when you do have a memory and you can get old data disclosed at the time mm. before they, they started the whole alien uh, stuff um, and saw what they were testing and using. I mean, south of me towards Mansfield, uh, one of the big companies in Canada here that made the Avro Arrow mm-hmm. had also made a flying saucer and the CBC showed it on television not mm. so long ago they re-showed this old clip from the 60s where you saw this thing uh, a flying saucer with a little bubble on it and a man inside it <laughs> flying through the sky but it crashed outside Mansfield and the, the, the furrow in the field that it plowed up is still there <laughs> so they, they were t- testing all kinds of these crafts back then yeah yeah Interesting. And, yeah. and remember too, during a Cold War, as they called it, mm-hmm. uh, nothing of real 
truth was ever disclosed to the public because you were supposed to be at war, and it was a war of science. So hmm. all the high scientific gadgetry was classed top secret. Hmm. Oh my, yeah. Um, you know, See, the public now have been trained that for some reason we're, we're always told the truth. Mm, yeah. That's a new phenomena. Hmm. Believe that. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, uh, and there even you know we could backtrack and 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 even you know look at all the if we were to talk about the news itself. I mean that there is tr- tremendous amount of of budget for what w- budget what is called as you know false news that the Pentagon is releasing false news up there. So I mean it's all of this. I mean even if it's from you know unofficial or official sources, whatever. All all of it all the time has to be you know questioned and looked at and, and for what it's worth I mean if nothing else it could be obviously be interesting to look at stuff to try to uh, you know pick up on what they are getting trying to get through to the populace so to speak uh, even if the events themselves aren't uh, real or not for for instance just a few days ago uh, a news item was released through Reuters I think that was called uh, how to prepare for an alien invasion and these are you know Space agency guys, you know, uh, defense department within uh, NASA and so forth, the U.S. space agency, uh, speculating on on you know possible uh, invasions basically from from another world. So this is this is now you know in in a way becoming more and more I- in the collective mind, as it were, of of many people now. Yeah, it, it took literally almost 60 years to build up through fiction mm. and movies. A very entertaining fiction. Sure. Uh, the, the, the possibility of aliens even existing. Hmm. If they tried that prior to 1945, mm-hmm. we would laugh at them. Hmm. But they've, 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 since then, they've churned out so many books for the young. I, I liked them too. Mm-hmm. And and movies uh, to make us think of. Well, it's possible. Yeah. But it's all done through fiction. Hmm. It's all fictional work, yeah. Do you, so um, you, you you have no uh, no question about that there isn't aliens out there, eh? If there are, put it this way, they don't seem to have any... Um, number one, if there were aliens out there and they knew what was happening in this world, mm. uh, that they're not friendly to the vast majority of the populace, or they would be telling us what's happening with the <laughs> boys. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Hmm. And uh, uh, number two, there's no record of them ever intervening on our behalf anywhere. It's as though we're on our own here to make our own choices. Mm, yeah, indeed. Uh, so uh, now I, I don't say that there's not the possibility that something else exists. I'm not mm. that it's very possible. Yeah, sure, sure. But I, I don't see that anything's actually intervening mm. on our behalf here. Yeah, absolutely. I, w- I would agree on that too. I mean, in a way, uh, and and. Um, who knows? There might be some, you know. Who knows? There might be tremendous differences in, in, you know, in species across on different planets and so forth that actually might have developed into cultures that have very different, you know, views actually on how to how to go about, uh, you know, potential contact or whatever. Who knows? The the possibilities yeah, out no there. Reason, there's no reason it would have any empathy for humankind anyway. Sure, exactly, uh, precisely. I mean, who 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 the heck knows? And and. Uh, I mean, as it were, then the, these guys are sitting <laughs> sitting there now, now paranoid, as it were, trying to, you know, uh, draw out the possibility of there being, you know, potential dangerous threats from outside, you know, coming here, taking over the planet or whatever. I mean, the these plans were thought out and talked about 
by John Dewey. He was the first one. He was the so-called father of modern education for, for the U.S. Mm -hmm. And uh, back in the early 1900s, he said, if only we, we could have a threat from outer space, uh, the whole world would have to come together yeah. and, and be one in a new living system yeah. to fight it. Yep. And that's been repeated by different presidents, down, even down to Ronald Reagan, who used it many times in speeches. That's right, yeah. Um, we also saw the movie called, um, it was with Michael Rennie, uh, where they came down as flying saucer lands on the White House lawn. Mm -hmm, yeah. And he comes out with a proposition to unite the Earth that's just too primitive and too warlike to sure. manage themselves. Sure. <laughs> that was the day the Earth stood still. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and of course, the whole idea was exactly what the elite wrote about long before. Mm. Uh, the new system would be run by scientists who were the only intellectuals qualified to run the system. Yeah. And that's who Michael Rennie as the alien sought out in the movie. <laughs> so these are all predictive programming movies. Yeah. To get us used to the idea. Now the problem is too, you can make anything a fad or a belief. Mm. Anything at all can be made a belief if enough effort and money and propaganda goes into the promulgation of it. Mm, yeah, sure. And um, I always quote uh, Bertrand Russell, mm. uh, who said that there's no nonsense so arrant that it cannot be made the creed, <laughs> the belief of the vast majority by adequate government action. Mm, there you go. You believe anything. Yeah. Today we have such incredible science we know that stuff exists to do with mind control where they can project thoughts or images into your mind. Mm -hmm, yeah. That was shown by Nick Begich on television here in Canada mm -hmm, with yeah. obsolete equipment that somehow he got from the CIA. Huh. The, the, the equipment was from the 1950s. <laughs> and it could put oh, thoughts my. or a voice right into your head yeah. at line of sight over any distance. Huh. And you could carry them in your pocket like a little television remote. <laughs> And he said, all of this stuff is obsolete. It was used by the CIA in the 1950s. Yeah, yeah. Now, by the same technology, they can give you a, a picture in your mind. So you could be brought in for testing or apparent testing, and you would think you're being abducted by aliens. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they could put into your mind um, that you're actually seeing aliens and not men in white lab coats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we can't trust even what we see anymore. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, absolutely right. And, and and that is a fascinating aspect to, of course, all, all of this because that is a, a huge possibility that seems to you know c connect with you know the entire you know UFO uh, field as it were. You know many people reports on their abductions, but uh, exactly the, it always seems to be also in a very dream can kind of state basically where they are either you know. Uh, disabled somehow, or or it's it's very fuzzy or blurry in a way, and 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 they actually have to go back later and do what is known as regression, and that that's another you know field that might potentially bring in influence and stuff like this. So it's it's very it's a very difficult area here. Um, they, did, they did testing in scientific studies in the U.S. some years ago on this, mm. and they got a they got a study two study groups one. One group were picked out of the general population who, who had no memory of any abduction. Mm -hmm. And another group, they claimed they'd been abducted. And they found out that even in, in the non-abducted group, under hypnosis, they were coming out with the same stories. Hmm. 
And the reason he came up with was that everyone had been so um, polluted with stories in the newspapers about it. It was in the subconscious, the whole, the whole idea of abduction and what had happened to people. Mm. Uh, their subconscious was remembering what they'd read. Ah, do, do you think that people who perform the regressions also might actually be because of, you know, whatever, self-interest or who, who knows? Absolutely. Actually, yes. I mean, it's big business. The regression sure. business is big business. Y- yeah. And you have a market already made for the new age, so mm. you don't have to convince them. They're already convinced. All you have to do is bring them into your little office mm. and tell them what they want to hear. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, very, very interesting. A huge area, but... Uh, um, you know, I want to return a little bit to talking about, you just briefly mentioned uh, Star Trek before, as uh, I guess in a way, uh, pre- that's uh, quite interesting in predictive programming too, I guess, you know, in that entire series have been running for, for a long, long time, of course. And uh, I think we've talked about Gene Roddenberry uh, a, f- a few times earlier here. Uh, um, ha- have you ever heard about the Gene Roddenberry and something called uh, the, the Nine, or the connection to something known as the Nine. This connects with uh, uh, a guy called Andrea Pucharic. Have you heard of him? Uh, so very familiar. Yeah. Okay, he, he was the guy who kind of brought forward uh, Uri Geller, if you remember him. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, and he was connected to you know a, a lot of psychic research and a lot of this stuff, of course. Um, and and in the process of actually ma- trying to, as it seems now at least, trying to make kind of Uri Geller into some form of new messiah, basically. Yeah, uh, fact, they launched him in Britain on the David Frost show, and uh, I think they even got the London Palladium to host the show. Mm-hmm. And I saw it, I was small at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I noticed he had all, I noticed and understood later on, he had all the techniques, he was trained in motivational behavior. Where, mm. they, where they they get you hyper excited, they talk quickly, they wave their hands, they they they're, they're, they actually stimulate the audience to get into almost an excitable hysterical state. Mm. Uh, that's a technique, and uh, and sure enough, people were phoning in saying they went and got old granddad's watch and and, and gave it a shake and it started working. <laughs> well, any person who fixed those old watches, repairmen, mm. would tell you that they all stopped because they were overwhelmed mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. put them away for a few years and the spring would start to weaken so when you shook it, it would start working again. <laughs> but there you all go. these people, yeah. you see, how easy it is to get people to believe something. Uh, and then, of course, the great Randy, who was a stage magician mm. who used uh, all the, the magician tricks, although he wouldn't disclose them as part of the trade, yeah. uh, he emulated everything that Geller did with all the spoon bending and everything else. Hmm. Okay. Uh, demonstrated that it could be done through stage magician. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and it's it it seems to be uh, still you know a, a drive for for a mystical experience in in, in that way. I mean, yeah. people have that in in inherently in some way, but and yeah. and and that in itself is is nothing, at least to my own view, nothing negative. But it can be exploited, as you say, in this way to actually manipulate that's people. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you you can as I say you can you can make people believe anything. Enough government action, yeah. Russell said. Yeah. And I remember what Adam Weishaupt said. Adam Weishaupt said, "Oh, foolish man, what can you not be made to believe?" Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you, you mentioned also uh, earlier uh, Arthur C. Clarke, and and uh, his follow-up book to his 2001 was, of course, 2010. Uh-huh. 
And we are, of course, you know, have been now in the <laughs> period, as it were, between these two books. And mm-hmm. one kind of interesting way is 2010 is, is, of course, called, I think, the year when we make contact or something like that. It's a subtitle. Um, and they also perform a, a an, an act or, or what happens, I guess, in, in the film or the movie or whatever is, is the ignition, I think, of Jupiter actually creating a, a second sun, I think. That's right. It's symbolic. See, the whole story has nothing to do, really, with outer space. It's allegorical of very high occultic masonry, mm. where you have the three um, guys in the ship. There's also another three, I think, in the the cryogenic uh, chambers mm-hmm. um, they're, they're going towards a mission and it, even the movie starts with the Masonic religion mm-hmm. it starts with evolution they believe in evolution because it's all based on Hinduism mm-hmm. we come out of the slime we come out in the land mm-hmm. and then we have a drive towards higher and higher things mm-hmm. yeah. it's a, a form of social Darwinism where the elite always lead the next uh, change in society so an obelisk appears, and uh, it literally tests different ape men, mm-hmm. picks one, and every day when they go to the watering hole, they shake their fists at the, the opposite tribe of apes, <laughs> and have a lot of screaming, and then they drink their water and go home. Sure, yeah. But he picks this one, and he makes them aggressive. So the next day he goes to, goes to the watering hole, they shake their fists at each other. He, uh, he picks up a bone, which again is symbolic of... Uh, the jackin and boas in masonry, the male, the female, mm. the two femur bones hmm. of the legs. And he picks up the male one, that's what they really meant by that. Mm-hmm. And he uses that as a weapon, kills the leader of the other tribe. And so through killing, he shows leadership, and that's called progress to the next advancing stage. Hmm. And, and all through the movie, uh, they give you uh, their occult belief. Uh, Jupiter has an occult meaning. Uh, in high masonry, mm-hmm. um, it's the son of Zeus. Yeah, it's always it's always the invisible god and the present god for the present age. They give us one for every age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Hal is the computer on board the ship that runs everything. Hal is from the Greek. Uh, it's also from Helios for the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Hal um, tries to kill them off by mistake because of his programming. Mm. The one man gets to this one place where he gets into eternal, eternal phase. He neither grows old nor young. He can be anything he wants to be. He has completed and evolved into the next species. And by 2010, all of this was to be completed for they show you another sun. Jupiter becomes another sun yeah. for the new age. Indeed. And uh, it means as above, so below. But a new system in the sky, you'll have a new system on Earth. Hmm. That's what that all means. Very interesting. Uh, you, you know, I want to return to it since we are on the on the on the track of, of masonry in that sense. But we began talking about the the moon, and there, of course, have been um, a lot of speculation about that too. If 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 you know they actually were up there, or whatever you know. But but that many of the guys who actually went up there are are amazing, and uh, and that they actually placed a masonic flag up there to. To my point of view, it would seem like a failure to this guy if, if this if this was true, and they haven't actually managed to pull it off and actually go up there and you know put their flag up there or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can actually see the, the photographs of them in their Masonic aprons over their spacesuits. Yeah. In, in the main lodge in Washington. Huh. Yeah. Th- there you go. So uh, 
do, do you think that the, that this was a big failure for them if they weren't able to go there because they're i mean a lot of actually being able to bring back a, a rock from the moon i mean is a very highly esoteric you know symbol symbolic uh, um, type event basically yes uh, it's all symbolism they're using and uh, as I, say, I don't think they really went it mm. certainly did bring in the big budget that nasa need by getting the public on board yeah and behind them hmm. but uh but yeah the even when they jettisoned the final uh, ship on uh, on the way back, it supposedly went into the sun. So the sun technically was mating with the moon, the high occultic ceremony. It's, mm. a, it's all pure ceremony mm. in the high occult. Uh, mm. But I don't think it actually happened in reality. Mm. Yeah. Um, of course, what, what we could say to, to you know people who... Uh, do believe that that you know we went to the moon i'm i'm not sure yet but uh the question is why the heck haven't they you know been back since i mean it's exactly. yeah because it fulfilled its purpose of making the, the whole world excited and not minding about extra taxes and so on all for nasa mm-hmm. and so-called space research yeah. never knowing that all this research they were doing was for satellite surveillance for the entire planet for a time to come so, oh, okay. So let let's say like this because I I saw uh, I've seen a lot of news on on uh, you know Russia and China uh, getting you know geared up to go to the moon now and and a, a semi I guess space race is kind of on I guess in a way. Uh, so these guys themselves now are, are mainly interested I guess in <laughs> putting up a lot of their own surveillance you know satellites yes. up there. Yeah, and they must uh, you see China now. Is going to be the main taxpayer once the United States goes down, mm. and the main policeman of the world. So, mm. sort of form a kind of pride and nationalism in a sense. Mm. And China now uh, thinking they're the, the leaders. Ah, yeah. yeah. So they're they're eyeing, eyeing, you know, to to get to the moon. But uh, uh, again, it seems like they they release these reports every what is it like every ten ten years something that mm-hmm. you know in in. In uh, twelve, in fifteen years, we're gonna go back to the moon, you know, and we're gonna uh, have it as a base to go further out, you know, to Mars or whatever. But it it never seems to occur. So, where the heck does all the money go? Because it's a tremendous amount of money that goes into all of this, right? That's right. And people forget too that Ronald Reagan uh, was the first guy to bring out the one trillion dollar budget, mm. <laughs> and that was massive at that time. Yeah. It's nothing today, but uh, it was all for the Star Wars technology. Yeah. And they did put uh, hundreds of satellites and, and space weaponry up there, but it was all to be used for the future when we're all surveilled, we're all into a global government. They were preparing it all way back then. Hmm. There you go. And as I say, that's what the space shuttle really does. They're not uh, getting worms or spiders and seeing if they can mate in space. <laughs> that's for public consumption. <laughs> uh, they're, they're actually repairing and putting in uh, more of the surveillance um, satellites huh. that will monitor us all. Yeah. Hmm. So there, um, again, uh, the reason also I wanted to kind of address this is, is very, very interesting because uh, I think that, you know, they're... There is a connection between, uh, as far off as it might seem, you know, but again, as we, you know, have <laughs> talked about here, the, the UFO, uh, you know, enigma in a way, and, and the, you know, what has been known as, I guess, the, the fake alien threat or whatever. 
uh, that data actually connects, you know, as you say, with the with the plans of of this, you know, uh, of the incoming new world order or, or or the one that actually is here. So this is something to, I guess, kind of watch or keep an eye on in that sense to try to see what they're, you know, trying to get across. I mean, there are. Uh, ha- have you heard about Project Bluebeam? I don't know if we talked about this earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So that is. Um, do you think that that is potential? You know, uh, potential. Rest, yeah. 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 Well, I know it for a fact because I saw it used once. Oh really? Yeah. I walked my dog uh, a few years ago at night. That's when I was getting harassment from CSIS, that's our CIA here, and hmm. uh, and I was out with someone else who visited me, mm-hmm. and it was a beautiful Northern Lights display, the the, the Aurora Borealis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing was, it didn't go the usual way, where it swept across the sky in different waves. Mm-hmm. It, it eventually concentrated right above my head, and a picture started to form of, uh, um, it was like, it, it was literally someone with wings. Hmm. And I thought, we watched it for 20 minutes, hmm. and, and never budged, you know. And this, came, and this kind of came out of the aurora, or? Yes, and that's the techniques they're using. They're using. They can actually use the harp technology, which uses the ionosphere, and, and literally concentrate energies and, and create a form of hologram there. Mm. Well, the odd thing was, it was about three days later, a guy in Ontario called the Art Bell Show mm-hmm. to say what he'd seen, exactly mm. what I'd seen. Now, Art Bell has had all the most ridiculous things on on the planet. Mm-hmm. He's had the voices from hell. The, 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 a Russian yeah. oil drink. Yes, yeah, sure, I remember <laughs> and that. And all actually. this stuff. Yeah. He's had the nights for Satan. Who's a real Satan? Who's a real devil? Mm. All these guys phone in. Hmm. And, and yet this one person from Ontario phoned in to say he'd seen what I'd seen, mm. and Art Bell cut him off. Hmm. Uh, uh, why? Yeah. I mean, he had much more ridiculous things than that on his show. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, well, the, the, there you go. Is that certain certain types of mysteries are you know interesting, but but others aren't. So <laughs> others are forbidden. Yep, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, well, anyway, you know, the, this has been an an excellent uh, discussion, and and uh, I, I guess I want to kind of round round things off now. Um, um, I, I want to give you again, uh, Alan, the opportunity to, uh, of course, mention your website before we, we finish uh, things off here. So uh, uh, for people who might be new and, and all this, uh, uh, m- mention your website for us, Alan. Yes, it's cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and there's about three uh, talks every week at least put up there for free download. There's lots of free downloads. There's also a few things for sale on a lot of this, uh, these topics we discuss here. And um, uh, you can also get all, a lot of the bigger shows I've been on too. On, there's radio and television shows on there. Yep. For anyone who's interested. Plus, you can look into the sentient, Alan Watts sentient sentinel, dot EU, mm-hmm. for the European translations which are coming up now. Excellent. Uh, so, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. That's the that's the main site. And and uh, again, we have Alan uh, Watt on every month, every last Sunday of each, each month. And uh, again, Alan, thank you so much for coming on for this time. And I'm uh, looking forward to our uh, next visit. So, thank you very much, Alan. It's a pleasure.